0: Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits,
1: you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. Heck yeah, you do. Yep, bear it right on the shoulders. Boom. You don't bear it down. You bear under it. You bear under it. You bear up under it. Okay. That's what we're going to try to do. (laughs) Right. With with this episode. Our um, eighth episode. Wait a second. We can't say that. That's in the second paragraph. Hop up. I got to read it from the beginning. Oh, crap. In a time when justice has become social. The title of this episode is, (laughs) Is Justice Social? So uh, what we wanted to talk about today uh, was the idea um, that in a time when justice has become social, we must maintain a faithfulness to truth. We talked about that on episode 007. How do we identify justice? Is it dispensed based on the needs of a particular group? Is it earned by the consequence of our actions? Well, so last time uh, we talked about the importance of determining whether cultural information and phenomena falls in line with what is true, and this week we'll put that into practice as we examine the issue of social justice. Dun dun dun! They can't demonetize us if we don't make money <laughs> to begin with. This is so true. <clears throat> what is social justice? Does justice need a qualifier? Is justice enacted based on hegemony? Where does God fit in all of this? And that's exactly what we'll be tackling on this episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, episode 008. 008. That was great. Is justice social? Is justice social? Alrighty. Take it away. Take it away! Wait, you? Me? You. Um <laughs> That was called an abrupt segue. <laughs> wow, it was abrupt.
0: When we when we consider broaching this topic. Is that correct? That's right. Broaching? You broach
1: like the thing that you pin on your
0: no, dress? No broach. Broaster? No, I'm I'm I, you know what? Now you don't make me doubt myself. You can broach you broach a topic.
1: You uh, can Whoa, is it is it breach? Yeah, now we're both gotta how to use Breach Brooch Correctly by Grammarist.com. I mean, clearly we're not the only people who have had people. this issue. Uh, we are definitely. It's um, "broach" means to bring up for discussion. Yeah, to bring up a subject for discussion or debate. So okay. shove
0: it. All right. All fine. right. That's fine. When we consider how to broach this topic, yeah, I said it right, um, we really wanted to come at this from our particular bend. Now, our particular bend is always going to flow from our Christian worldview. <laughs> Um, and when we look at this particular topic, this is um, perhaps in our current moment in society. Not, it's not just a societal moment, right? It's a... You're
1: defining moment. Okay, all
0: right, no. We are not singing. What is that? Is that Phillips, Craig, and Dean? No one's going to listen to this. Okay. Oh, jeez. It's not just a societal uh, issue. It's not just a... a, a giant issue in society it is also a, a issue for the church and it's issue in the church um and so we have to additionally uh, uh n plus the church needs to lead out mm. on this right and you as continue and as we think about the the morphing of of marxism from being a uh, a more economic structure to the idea of a cultural marxism marxism and we and we think about um Gramsci and how he was trying to um, infiltrate the what he what he called the robes of society with a cultural Marxism for certain one of those robes was the church the idea of the the robes of culture being the places where people of austere would wear robes to signify their authority in in society so you can think of uh, the institutions that are education uh, the institutions that are Um, justice or judges you can think of institutions like the church where where you would oftentimes in in common dress the uh pastor or priest or elder or bishop would be wearing a robe Mm -hmm. and so this our church no not at our church most most certainly not um (laughs) you'll be struggling to get me to put a tie on all right now let's just simmer down okay gee willikers um when we think about that, that structure, that idea of, of these, the weight that is, that he sees as he's trying to, um, affect a better change, that is, why is the economic view of Marxism not achieving the outcome that it was desired? Is there another way to go about instilling Marxist philosophy, uh, that will actually bring about the ends of, of, of Marx's, Marxism's aim? Um, He saw to adapt it culturally and to put it into these positions, which would literally have Marxism then infiltrate all of society through the robes of society. And one of those robes being the church. And so this is not just a societal issue. This is a very much a church issue. And the idea of social justice is not just occurring out in society, but it is coming into the church. And so for those of you that are not in the church, what, what you're going to hear tonight is still a simple paradigm. And it's still a simple understanding stemming from the concept where we worked on last, last time in our 007 episode on, on trying to grapple with truth. You're going to get that same feel as you <clears throat> must now grapple not with, uh, with the effectual truth being applied to justice. Um, and so when we say social justice, we're automatically qualifying justice in this context as a particular kind of justice that being social justice. Now we were trying to work with some definitions uh, of social justice, and um, and when you play with the internet, you can find amazing things out. But we, <laughs> all right. And then not not amazing things, fact. But but, <laughs> but there were many definitions that we came across in trying to really understand social justice. But oddly enough, I thought. And that's not oddly enough, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to demean it, but uh, Wikipedia has a really good, um, like, big and and relatively intellectual uh, definition of social justice. Not one that is so concise as to be obscure, um, and perhaps not so long as to be um, just overburdened, right? Uh, li- lit- literary, literarily, literarily burdened? Um, literarily. Oh, whatever. But uh, but it
1: was an effective definition. So Jesse, why don't you, you fill us in on what what we have discovered? Yeah, the uh, the the footnote for this, the attribution for this is actually Karl Marx himself, so uh just, just straight from the I'm just kidding, it's not. That was like You're, you're looking remember. at it like, like I you like could actually that at do, all. Like, wait, can I know he was a Satanist, but can he do that? He can't oh, do that. Oh gosh. Um, anyway, so um I make all the Marx is angry. <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) I was trying to work in the word impotent because I feel like an angry Marxist is, all they have is their anger. (laughs) That's all they have because everything else was taken away from them. Well, let me ask you.
0: Have we gotten, are they gone? No. No, and can I tell you this? Their anger is a strong motivator. Yes, especially in a culture driven by feelings. That's a different episode of the podcast. Probably we should we should probably table that. The Just Feeling Podcast. Oh, the Just Feeling
1: Podcast. <laughs> uh, Daryl, Virgil, we love you. Oh man. Alrighty. Um, so, social justice is a concept of fair and just relations between the individual and society, as measured by the distribution of wealth, opportunities for personal activity, and social privileges. So again, social justice is a concept of fair and just relations between the individual and society, as measured by the distribution of wealth, opportunities for personal activity, is that like going to parks? Like what the heck is that? And social privileges. Right? Do you have, Do you still have some of the shorter definitions that we found up? Uh, no. Let me take that as a no. No, but I have I have browser history, so there's there's that. Hmm. Because
0: mm. Mm. I just wanted to give a flavor for some of the shorter definitions that I feel actually are so short they say nothing. Nothing that, that would be an effective definition for a word, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it would be good for us to understand that the word itself and trying to come at this concept, even, in, even in a concrete way, is very <clears throat> difficult. Yeah.
1: So. Well, it's kind of like trying to eat sand with a fork. Mm. First off, you know... You probably should just leave it alone. And second off, it's really hard to do. <laughs> this is not tasty. It's very gritty. <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, dictionary.com cites it as the distribution of advantages and disadvantages within society. Um, Merriam-Webster attempts uh, their their effort here as a social philosophy, advocating the removal of inequalities among people. So, all, all kind of centering around. You know the idea that there are inequities between the individual and what an ideal society would be, and social justice would seek to remove um, those barriers so that all could achieve the same things that all that all people could achieve wealth and opportunity and social privileges in the same way And here's the problem <coughs> when we're coming at this term
0: to to address it. When you when you see when you even hear things like this, and and this is me coming at it from a Christian worldview, um, particularly, but you don't necessarily inherently need the Christian worldview to come at it from this way. And I would say again, presuppositionally, that is because you are created in the image of God. This this sentence makes sense to you anyway. You
1: think this way because it's the right way.
0: All oh, right, that's correct. So uh, when you hear a statement like um, a, a concept of fair and just relations the individual and society right now once again before we even get too far when you're looking at between the individual and society you're looking at it between the individual and the group so between personal identity and group identity that's really what's breaking down here when you're talking about individual versus society as measured by the distribution of wealth now that's a big topic I'm gonna to table that one don't even have time don't even have time tonight to go into that one in depth but if you were to even think of opportunities for personal activity Right and social privileges, or social, or, or barriers to social mobility. These are all things where everyone says yes, absolutely, uh, amen. Um, we don't want people to have barriers to social mobility. We don't want people to have barriers uh, to, to to personal activity. We don't want people to have barriers um, to to certain social privileges for for certain. Again, depending on what your social privileges you're looking at here, whatever okay, that means. Correct. We don't want barriers for these things. That's that's just correct. Right? And and so when we don't want barriers for these things, the question then being is does that mean that everyone should have the same outcome in these areas? Now, social justice is actually saying that there is a way to have a measured equality in the outcomes of these things. And that's a that's a difficult that's a difficult concept to swallow. Um, it just is, right? I, I've never once anticipated having the same outcome in my life, right? When I've, (laughs) when I watch Michael Jordan play basketball, that he has had the outcome to his life. I never once thought that. That wasn't a concept that raged deeply in my mind. Um, and, and I think for obvious reasons, right? I know, (laughs) (laughs) I know. I do not possess this in any okay. way
1: yeah.
0: the ability and skill and and even the development of the ability and skill that he has to do the thing he did, namely playing basketball at the highest level ever. Yet, yeah. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Come at me. All right? Come at me. Um, and, and it is because of that 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 I... I, I, I I just struggle against these particular these particular definitions when they are start to start to work out a, a, a economy that that would weigh into equate outcomes so so let's let's just let's just go let's just just dive in let's just go at it um so particularly as these creep into the church right still with me I'm with you all right. Particularly as these creep into the church, we find ourselves gravitating in our justice to ways that I believe are inaccurate holistically. Um, And we start to pull on maybe perhaps particular scriptures, and I'll use some that I have actually seen used recently. And these scriptures will often just be used without ever acknowledging uh, context or the the greater narrative in scripture itself. So you'll just see scriptures or ideas floated out, right? Um, and their ideas and, and the 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 gripping part of it is that when you throw things out without context or without um, placing them into the unfolding story of God, you, you find yourself saying, oh, yeah, no, that sounds, that's right. What are you saying there? Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, then I agree with you. I love that. That's great. But then you forget to actually unpack. Wait, what do you, wait, what is that? What is the actual second order
1: consequence to what you're saying? So, I well, we we and we talked about how to properly exegete a passage back in episode one 001! WW1. The greatest episode ever. I mean, it it was the OG.
0: It's it was the OG. Um right, and namely when you're going to exegete a passage of scripture, um you have to know what it says, right? You have to know That the context, historical context that was going on, or rather, what it was saying exactly to the people it was written to, Um, and you also then, and this is always important, right? So, what is the what is it actually saying? What was the historical context? What was the what was the word? What does the words that were being said mean to the people that were in that historical context? And finally, um, how does God work that weave that into my time, my my current? Situation, and I just want to say this real quick because this is a super important point when it comes to these things. If you come to the fourth point, that is, then what? Then what does? How does this scripture weave into my heart and life now? And if you come to that and you find a a, a, a magical meaning to the scripture that in any way contradicts with the first three, right? What does this literally say? What was the history going on? What was the culture going on? And what was it saying to people in those culture? If your magical meaning. That you have determined it it defies any of the first three, throw it out. Just throw it out. Mm. Beca- because that's not correct, exegesis.
1: Right. That's right. that's the gospel of you, not the, not,
0: not, not the gospel not, of God. Not, not right. Amen to that. So here's here's a passage. Um, and I just these are these these are things that I saw just posted void of context, just the scripture. Deuteronomy twenty seven nineteen says this. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, "Amen, amen, amen." I I love that. That's great. That's absolutely true. Now it's void of context whatsoever, and it doesn't stick this inside of the greater structure of the second law, Deuteronomy, right, flowing from the 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 first law, Leviticus, right, directly flowing from the first, the, the mouth of God himself. Right, it doesn't it doesn't give you the context there. But hey, here's a verse that we like. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice, right, due to the sojourner,
1: the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. I mean, already within that verse, you see the <clears throat> the the kind of tension that the social justice movements want to want you to feel the idea of there is inequity um there is injustice to certain groups um, and and God calls the perversion of that justice to to be cursed cursed be anyone who perverts the justice so uh, <coughs> someone who is someone who is following the the cultural lead um, in these social justice issues, uh, wants you to read that verse and wants you to feel the tension there. Um, I mean, you're talking about um, immigration. Uh, you're talking about um, orphans, orphans yeah. and widows. I mean, th- these, are, these are cultural. Um, <sighs> these are definitely current cultural topics that people, you know, want, want to address and put stress on. And in fact these are specific topics when you think of the sojourner. Now the sojourner
0: has a specific context in the in the structure of the of the nation of Israel that is perhaps far deeper than we would simply say something like immigration. If, immigration does not do justice to the historical context of what the foreigner was. Uh, right. I was just saying that from the lens of the correct. social justice I was, yes. individual. And I was just trying to say that even even in reading that we don't we we would see their goal is to say immigration the immigrants right, right. that's what that they but even that concept in our day and age is not the concept that was present in the nation of israel's time when this is being written when the second law is being given as they are coming to possess right the the land of their inheritance
1: right. as are I mean, moving or, into that land or even in the laws of the other lands that they try to inhabit correct it's it's you, you've been, anyway all right well that's the first one we've got about 12 12- <laughs> <laughs> so so Sorry. Here's, and here's another one another that one that I, I saw
0: posted and and again you're going to hear you're going to see justice and you're going to see and we didn't talk about this word much but it was mentioned in our opening kind of paragraph there the word hegemony and the, the, for the person that, that is a, a proponent of social justice, the word hegemony is very important. Um, you will see uh, hegemony particularly connected to thoughts that come from critical theory, which, by the way, is a real thing. It's not a made-up thing that just happened. I just – I don't know why that some people think that is.
1: Uh, it's not. It's not like Antifa. It's not just an idea. Oh no, it's a, it's a real. Thing. <laughs> oh yes, Antifa. The first idea was uniforms, riot gear,
0: preprinted signs, and a flag. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, uh, but but <laughs> <laughs>
1: the word hegemony noise.
0: is specifically referring to uh, power structures. So the 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 hegemony um, inside of a social inside of social justice would be those who those who are the oppressors those that own the power structures that make the power structures Um, and the goal of all aspects of social justice is to throw off the the hegemonic power the oppressor power uh in favor of the oppressed now this is this is great because this is specific scripture scriptural words that, that are being used here so jeremiah 22 3 yet another passage i saw Thrown out, void of context. I mean, I don't. When I say void of context, I mean these are passages that I saw posted, not even with like a little commentary of why the person was even posting the comments. These are just verses just I saw. A, just out. a, thus says the Lord. Just a, here you go.
1: Oh wait, this one actually says thus. Says yes, the Lord. it sure does. <laughs> Jeremiah
0: twenty three. <laughs> thus says the Lord: Do justice and righteousness, Amen. And deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. Now, I particularly like this translation to use the word resident alien. <coughs> that is a good understanding when you see uh, the concept of sojourner um, or, or it, it, it's, it's different than what you would think of immigration. Resident alien is a very key piece to the uh, nation of Israel in how they treated those that were coming in from foreign lands to their nation, which was different than how they treated those, how other nations treated those coming in as aliens to their nation. All right, So do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. Amen. The fatherless and the widow. Absolutely. No wrong or violence. Nor shed innocent blood in this place. Now, even the context of this passage, Jesse, you'll find interesting. Jeremiah is <clears throat> opening up this passage in 22, and he is speaking this to the king. Now, right there, I just want to say, social justice is going to have to have a problem, right?
1: Because there's a... There's a power imbalance. Today. There's a king, right? He's speaking to a power imbalance. That's
0: correct. I, Jeremiah the prophet is coming and speaking these words to the king. And it's not, king, give up your kingdom. King, share your crown. Right? Mm-hmm. It's king, the Lord has called you to do justice and righteousness. Now, to be sure, he gives some specifics here, right? You should deliver deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. So, if someone's being robbed... You should stop that. Take 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 the hand of the oppressor off the person who's being robbed, right? You should do no wrong or violence to resident aliens. That are, that is those people that had come from foreign nations into the nation of Israel would then actually they didn't have a land of their own. The structure in the kingdom was totally different, right? When you consider that a family had the land and that they could buy and sell the land, and that there were periods of time literally set up in God's kingdom, right? Where where a year of Jubilee may occur and that land would resort, resort back even had that had been sold, which would resort back to the hands of the people who previously owned it, whose land it actually was. So even then, the selling of the land was more of a rental, not a sale of ownership, as we would think. Um, so it's a totally different concept here, but but those resident aliens had no land. They had no home to come into Israel because they were not of the nation of Israel, they would become resident aliens by taking up dwelling with a family in the land. They would literally become attached to a particular man, person's family and name, which is very interesting, right? And do no wrong or violence to the fatherless and to the widow. These would be the lowest of society. They wouldn't have the means or ways to actually move in, in certain directions apart from people acting righteously according to God's command, right? Right. Nor shed innocent blood in this place. So these are just verses that you see, and when posted with no context, we're starting to wonder. All right. Yeah. No. We're supposed to. We're supposed to take care of take care of the poor. In fact, it is an injustice to not take care of the poor. Sure. Right. We should. We should love the immigrant. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Right. Amen. So Jesse,
1: what's our what's our last one there? Another verse that... Oh, I get to read. Uh, Isaiah 117. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow.
0: Amen. Again, we're seeing the... the, There it is. Defend the oppressed. Isn't that... That's the exact idea of hegemonic power inside of social justice. Right. Is it not? Or is it? And that's the question. Right? Are these verses calling us in the scripture from God's own mouth to social justice the way our culture is speaking it or are they calling us to
1: something else right that's the question we must ask we have to ask but is it true
0: is it true and so automatically there are things that we can know um perhaps a great one line verse um a great one-line verse to understand this when we're coming to the question is justice social when we're talking through this concept we're trying to understand what is social justice and social justice has to do with a justice that is based upon needs and outcomes right that we're trying to make make equitable outcomes in society in in a myriad of different directions in almost every in, in literally every direction right i mean i don't know i can't think of in a particular no, area they've... where
1: they've used many words right <laughs> attached to the word justice
0: yes and so when since we're seeking justice you know everywhere um, all the way down to reproductive justice i mean we're just seeking justice wherever it can be found um, if there's an adjective go ahead and throw it on in front of justice right. that's your justice but what is justice truly here's a here's a great one and a god <laughs> to the unknown justice <laughs> oh my gosh, it's almost like it was right there in Athens. Oh man. Right there in the uh right, right there in the, the hall of gods. Hmm. Alright, so so I Psalm 106 3 says this Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. And I think when you're gonna to come to when you when you come to understanding of what what does it mean to be just, what is justice? You you're going to bump up con- consistently, and and particularly in the Sobs and the Proverbs and the Prophets, with the idea that justice is explicitly attached to
1: what you do, how you act, what are your actions. Um, well, well, I mean to further clarify, justice is attached with God Himself, right? And and the concept of God's righteousness, and then our responsibility to that. Would Amen. that be to enact justice according to God's righteousness? Amen. That's that's there's a twofold thing there. In the, Correct. That's from what I from what I can tell. I would agree with you completely because the question flows.
0: Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. The question then flows: What is it to act justly, right. and what is this right that right. you speak of? What right. is this right of which you speak? Right. 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 <clears throat> um, I think you can right. you can play that.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
0: Proverbs 8.25 tells us that evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. And this makes sense. Evildoers. Now, that's people that have an action, right? Evil action. Evildoers. They do evil, and they don't understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand
1: it fully. Here we have a clear understanding of what you just said, right? Right. Right. That righteousness flows from the Lord, and to be near to the Lord is to understand righteousness. Correct. It's Absolutely. Like the, you're near the source. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 24, 24 to 25 says,
0: 24, 24 to 25, Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty, and rich blessing will come on them. Watch out, Carol Baskin. Oh, no. Versus for you, here old you <laughs> We know, all know she, she did. <laughs> oh my gosh! Does it just so weird that you just mentioned Tiger King, and it feels like that was a lifetime ago? Oh man! Although that was, it was just, it was nigh. at the
1: tip of the corona. That was just, that was a just at the, that's right of the video. Oh my gosh! Welcome to March
0: two hundred and seventy fifth.
1: Oh. oh my gosh.
0: <clears throat> Thanks, Jess. <laughs> Thanks for that. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Proverbs 21.15 says, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers.
1: Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So there's safety in justice for the righteous person, but there is... Terror. Terror. Because justice has to be applied to the unrighteousness.
0: Mm-hmm. So here we ha- here, what we have is, in fact, enacting justice in an application, right? And so right away, this begins to tear down justice in application based on what you have done, right? When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. Now, that righteousness is not attached to a particular need that that person has. Rather, it is attached to the actions of that person. Nor is the word evildoers <clears throat> attached to their need, but rather to the actions by that person. So justice being done upon the righteous, right, is joy. But justice being done upon the evildoer is terror. And this is not a needs-based justice. Clearly, this is a merit or a action-based justice. It is based upon the actions of the person. We know this to be true. Right. Yes. Justice, that falls, justice that falls on even the guilty in our own world is, is, is a fearful, weighty thing. But when justice is applied to the person who is innocent in our world, it is a beautiful thing. Right. <clears throat> Psalm 37, 27, 29. Again, I said that fast. Psalm 37, 27 through 29. Turn from evil and do good. That is a complete action. That is the literally the action of repentance, mm-hmm. right? Nope. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever for the Lord loves the just. Will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. This is I, this entire, almost this entire verse is action.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's no, there's no. This is it's almost it's almost completely merit merit based understanding of what justice is when done and when applied. Right. So, yeah. Additionally, oh, you thought we were done? Oh, stop! <laughs> Please stop. So Isaiah many, a, Isaiah sixty one eight through nine says, "For I, the Lord, love justice, Amen." I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Those are both actions. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Right? God makes covenants with people. That's excellent. Just to remember, that's probably a different episode of the podcast. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Perhaps conceptually it's a good time to mention that God makes covenants with people. Right? But everything is God's.
1: All things are God's. If God is God, this is all his. Right. And we are but stewards and hirelings, vine dressers and farmers. Right. Particularly, if you were to think about the nation of Israel, were, every
0: being in the nation of Israel was a vassal of under the kingship of God.
1: Are you saying that there was a hegemonic aspect to the relationship between God and his people? Yeah, there was a pretty big power dynamic <coughs> balance. Right? <laughs> Certainly. But... but Well, he was all powerful.
0: <laughs> but when everything comes from this point of victimization and only oppressor and oppressed... Then you see God as the oppressor. He he must inherently be the oppressor,
1: right? That's why Protestantism is on the matrix of, uh, oh man, what is, what is it? That matrix had a name.
0: Intersectionality matrix. The
1: intersectionality matrix. Yeah, it that's is. why Protestantism is there because it's a whole big power struggle with us and God. And isn't that just the Christian message for the past several thousand years? Isn't it? Gee golly Ain't life Boy, just a power struggle with God it. Until he opens our eyes and saves us And welcomes us into his family <laughs> <laughs> Praise be his name
0: And so what we have to Get through our heads here is this concept And I think this is an, this is an old concept Right this is circa like Way a long time ago You gotta say it in an old person voice huh? this, is an, this is actually OG Mark Driscoll For those of you that want to hate on Mark Driscoll Or love Mark Driscoll respectively I don't care Um, But this is an old school um, Mark Driscoll understanding when he particularly would talk about, um, I believe he's walking through, I want to say the Gospel of Luke at the time. This is a long time ago, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that.
1: Um, Was it Luke or was it James? I don't know. Whatever. We'll find that out later. Sure. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah. Get my pen out. Write it down. (laughs) Write it down. Don't forget.
0: Um, We have these concepts showing up continually in these verses that we need to defend the oppressed we need to take up the case of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Now, you want to lump these into a simple understanding. Um, these these people, like the sojourner, the resident alien, these are people that did not have <clears throat> means in society, right? They didn't. They were. They would have been considered the poor. Now, it is a clear case in the in the history of God's people that God has consistently and always called His people to provide care and comfort for those in need. He has. But in in those cases, to think that that is simply that the the total of justice is ignorant, right? That's that's completely foolish. One for for one, right? Um, carrying, having land and selling it in, inside of the construct of the nation of Israel points clearly to the fact that God owned all the land, right. and God gave the land to certain families and certain families had an allotment of land in his in his kingdom that was his this is why you could sell that land or rather rent that land for a time but that land would always revert back to the original owner because it was god's land and god had given that land to those people on purpose and so that is why that happened but since it was also god's land he could command his people to do things like he does clearly in the, in the law Leviticus and Deuteronomy to leave things behind when they would, would they would bring in their crops. Now we think this would be God producing a needs-based justice. The poor needed to eat, so you must you must not take everything from your field. And this was like the concept of gleaning, right? So you could the the poor could come in the field after you had harvested it, and you were to not harvest fully. You were to leave the edges, or you were to not go back and clean the land of all the grain, of all of the olives, of all of the grapes. You were to leave some behind, as, as as is common. If you were to go through a field once, you might go through a field again, or a third time to make sure you had gotten all of it. God says no. Leave that behind, that there may be something for the poor, the widow, the fatherless, and the sojourner. And here's the thing. That isn't God commanding needs-based justice. That That is God saying all of this is mine Mm -hmm. and i love my people and my people though even though they may be poor will be cared for that's god saying this by him by him by him and that's an important that's an important case this is the same cause in the new testament when we see in second corinthians the command to give generously right suddenly we don't have we don't live under the law so it's like what do i give i don't know 10%, 10%, right? That's the rule. But is it? <laughs> <laughs> but is it true? Is it true? But but what instead is commanded generosity and to literally outdo one another in giving. Now, that's a far bigger. That's a far bigger. Some of, m- most of us know generous people. And we're like, oh no. Right. I don't want to outdo them in giving. That means I have to give a whole lot more. <laughs> And that's why
1: in our church we have a thermometer that with each family, <laughs> and you fill up the thermometer, and at the <laughs> end of every month you get an extra jewel in your crown. That's correct. We, we literally, we, <laughs> we petition the Lord to give you an
0: extra jewel in your crown. If you help us, we do not have a thermometer. That is not a thing. We don't have that. That's
1: not correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I feel like not someone, to say, someone, some churches probably do though. Not to say I have not seen thermometers in churches. And you better give. Well, you probably do now. Coronavirus. Or there's... Oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> the Wall of Not Shame. The Wall of
0: Shame. Oh, look. Brother Don didn't give enough last week. His name is on the Wall of Shame.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I meant, like, temperature checks.
0: Oh, I know what you meant.
1: but oh. I, I was just elaborating. Oh, you went back, other... went back to the... I went back to the... I
0: left back. that COVID behind. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: And then, like, if you don't give enough... <sighs> There's like a, there's like a big ice cube tray next to it. It gets put in the ice cube tray.
0: Oh my gosh. We have digressed. All right. All oh, new. I was just trying to say that everything was God. And so the structure was not a needs-based justice. Rather, it was God enacting generosity, right? By his command over his land that he would allow people to use and have. Right. Which is a, which is a beautiful picture for us to understand. I was going somewhere else with this, too. Oh, the four categories. Right. And so when we see this as a context of us needing to care for the poor, right? we we automatically want to run to, we should care for the poor. And then that automatically puts something somewhere into our minds that there is a structure in which we should then care for the poor and not care for the rich. It's almost like we set up a dichotomy in our mind, right? Yes. Okay, I didn't know if you knew that nodding is not... Actually, yes, they cannot audible. See it. I get it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for nodding along, though. Understood. And so, there's actually four categories in the scripture when it comes to understanding um, an economic or class-based uh, structure of of poor and rich. There would be a right. There are the righteous poor, and there are the unrighteous
1: poor. There are the righteous rich, and there are the unrighteous rich. Right? Now, if you notice, there's only one qualifier to each of those categories. And it is either righteous or unrighteous. Amen. They, and how do we know what is righteous? By looking to God. And so God, God actually would set forth these types of categories. Um, and and it's, it's helpful to understand them as we look at the scriptures um, and try to understand what's going on. Um, so when you look at a passage um, like... Like Leviticus nineteen twenty twenty five Did I get that right or wrong? Leviticus nineteen fifteen. You shall do no injustice in judgment, you shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. <clears throat> now there is no partiality to be shown to the poor, nor to the great. We're supposed to be impartial in how we treat. And part of the cultural context is um, that that the nations would treat poor, poor classes as second-rate citizens. But in God's economy, literally how God made the world, we are all image bearers. And so when applying justice in terms of righteousness and unrighteousness, we have to look at the, both the rich and the poor with the same standard, with the same lens. And what would happen then is... Is that the poor would be viewed on with a harsher lens than the rich (coughs) and what this passage is basically saying is no do not do that the scales need to be the same when talking about righteousness there is only one standard of righteousness and that is God's standard of righteousness and that shall be equally applied to all people in any scenarios that does not mean that we elevate the poor above the rich and treat the poor Better or with more leniency because of their situation or class, that is not what this passage is saying. This passage is elevating the poor, but only to the same status under the equality of the law and righteousness with with how they would treat um, the righteous rich so that's that's what we're it's uh the concept of justice and right when you when you understand it clearly in terms of righteousness, um, it is a, it is a great equalizer, um, for these groups because when you have, when you have a, I totally lost it. When you have an unrighteous poor and an unrighteous rich who both committed the same crime and you're dealing out consequences, the consequences should be just and fair for both of them. Both of their unrighteousnesses should be treated, um, The same under the law. Um, And as we saw from the Psalms, a a righteous rich and a righteous poor. Let me see. We have a song right here. Let me see. It is a joy to both of them. Mm -hmm. When when a poor person acts in righteous, um, godly ways, it is a joy to them. When a rich person acts in um, righteous and godly ways, um, it brings joy to them. But when either of those categories, either of those classes, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, if you fall into the category of unrighteousness, you fall into that category of terror. Because justice brings terror to the evil leaders, no matter if you're rich or poor.
0: And I think, now I'm not going to say we, we holistically don't do this. I'm saying societally at times we, we, we flip the tables on that script that you just mentioned. So... Where and I, and now this is not still uncommon today because we know we know of we know of the celebrity worship and the the icon worship in our culture is just drippingly disgusting, right? Those that are rich and famous and successful are often uh ad- adored and, um, and admired but but more so in our culture today is the flipping the script There's the hatred of those that have that are the haves right as opposed to the have nots. And that structure has flipped, particularly because of something like social justice and the, the, the hegemony um, issues that are created inside of things like cultural Marxism or, or critical theory. And so those things say that those that are oppressed, they're the have-nots. They don't have things. They're the poor, right? They're the outcasts. And, and they don't have. And so those oppressed that we need to overthrow all oppressors so that the oppressed can. And now this is where it gets a little crazy because it doesn't actually work this way. Because in theory, if you throw out the oppressors for the oppressed, then the oppressed would actually be able to begin to take hegemonic power. That would then make them the oppressor. Has but, this ever happened and before the cycle, in history? <laughs> the cycle would just would so just become sort of sort of cyclical continuation. The cycle would become then cyclical. <laughs> just stop it. It's a cyclical yeah, cycle. Shut your mouth, <laughs> you dirty. <laughs> but what what we what we have in scripture is the re- recalling that yes, oftentimes we would show partiality to those who maybe are successful or rich or famous or, but not ignorant, and that's why Leviticus 19 says what it does. Not ignorant was God that. We would we would show deference to someone who is poor or hurting or struggling and and not and ignore their their unrighteousness for sake of the fact for simply because of the dint that they are having um, some other circumstantial um, woe that we would ignore their unrighteousness. James James talks about the same thing in, mm-hmm. in chapter 2 verse one my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That statement is very clear. Now he goes to his cultural problem of his day right? That we shut up partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. All right, we should be able to answer this question. What should we do? You got a rich guy coming in, you got a poor guy coming in. How do we treat him? The same. The same, right? Impartiality is what reigns. Now, verse 3 tells us what James is calling out in his society, right? And if you pay attention to the one who fears the fine... sorry, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I mean, this is so clear, right? James is not, James is clear about this idea of impartiality. That's not how the kingdom of God works. Most certainly. Now here's the kick, here's the kicker. Because that is not how the kingdom of God works. That is also not how the world works. Because God is the maker and sovereign of our world, and so we don't show partiality either in our world, whether you are rich or poor. So, so we've we've outlined, we've outlined some big cultural ideas that I think we can apply here, both from a Christian worldview into a into a secular worldview into a cultural worldview. And that is, that is the simple reality that needs and ends-based justice is, is actually ineffective for affecting justice. Social justice is not our aim. Rather, justice is our aim. Mm-hmm. Now, here's, And here's a difference between the world and, and the church at this point. God commands me to love and care for the poor. This is not an argument. This is not a discussion. He calls his church right. A pure religion is this: that you would care for the widow and orphan in the time of in their time of need. This is not an option. This is not an optional interaction. Now, now here's here's another truth. <clears throat> to to enact justice, as say, um, Deuteronomy twenty two or Jeremiah twenty two three might say, right? To do justice and righteousness, right, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor the one who's been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow or shed innocent blood. These are all correct things. Like we're reading that verbatim and these are all correct. <clears throat> that does not mean, I'm, I'm going to do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. That does not mean that the resident alien in the land of Israel could not do wrong and face the justice for his unrighteousness. was mm-hmm. not what that meant. It's not a
1: granting of immunity.
0: Correct. It meant you do not treat them as the other nations treat them, where a person that came in with no land would be, would be taken into literal slavery, not indentured servitude, but actual literal slavery for which they could be they were only being wholly subjected, much in a way that we would we would have saw chattel slavery in, in American colonies. Based upon their ethnicity as they came into a new nation, they would be indent they would be taken into slavery based solely on that. Without hope, without hope of ever becoming anything other. And, and without being ever treated higher than. Um and that was not how God was going to treat resident aliens that would come into his place, mm-hmm. who would link up with the family who would talk to the leader and the patriarch of that family? How to, to to join that family? To be numbered in that family, right? We see this all the time when the patriarchs are mentioned. It's their, it's them. It's it's their children, their their wife, their their servants. Now, what number is in the servants? So many people number in those servants, and guess what? They were all working in and being cared for by the home of the person who, in whom they lived such a different picture than what
1: we try to always paint it necessarily. Yeah. <coughs> well, that's why it's important to actually care about truth and know what we're talking about. Amen. In short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to build our idea of justice based upon a a societal definition of justice. We want to base our justice based based upon what is what is God say justice is, and therefore
1: what is righteous and unrighteous. Right, and and that's why honestly, that's why it's so easy for justice to get distorted within culture, because justice is in inic- excuse me is uh, unable to be separated from righteousness, and when you don't have a standard, when you don't have um, a standard of righteousness to appeal to in your worldview, you lose all sense of what justice is. And so you get all of these qualifiers to justice because at that point, you're just making stuff up based on whatever you think you should do that day. It's, it's not based on any actual objective concrete standard, but Christianity, and which is correct, um, bases it on a forever unchanging, perfectly righteous, um, perfectly just God and in that way justice can actually be applied equally to all people as it should be um and uh yeah i don't even want to get into the founding of our country cuz that's kind of the whole point of that but but that it's it that's why it's gone so far so if you're looking around you if you're looking at facebook and if you're looking at you know the latest congressman you know introducing a bill on the on the house floor trying to figure out a new way to create you know um you know bovine justice you know that's that's why it's because it's because that person has derailed themselves from any desire to know God because so you can only know what justice is if you know God or you can only know what true justice is um if you know god and any anyone who does not know God that has any semblance of what justice is um is has only been shown grace by god as as evidenced by. They're reflecting of God in in the beings as they are made in the image and likeness of him. Our fallen nature perverts justice. It is only by the grace of God that we can actually see righteousness, see justice, and enact justice. Um, in this world, as God would call us to. Right. Right.
0: <clears throat> and I had gotten a little off, off base, but when I was... When I was mentioning the fact that the Christians are called to care for the poor, to care for for these literal these these categories of people that God has already expressed um, in the Old Testament is expressed for us to care for directly also into the New Testament. But what I what I was aiming at is is the concept that just because someone is poor does not mean they are inherently a righteous poor person, and and my generosity to a person. Also behooves me, as a follower of God, to instill them with the truth that I have learned and I, that I know. And so I must, I must learn and know how how they are poor. Why are they poor? How can I actually not just simply meet a felt need, but also bring for them true healing and repentance before God, and also physical healing and repentance from their condition? Because the the weight of social justice does not care how. It does not care how you are poor what what you do to be poor that's not the problem that's not the point of social justice rather it is a just a simple equal distribution and equity of outcomes based upon needs and that is the problem there the real issue there in understanding these ideas of of social justice um, and and these ideas ideas of of critical theory um, is that God instead says no how 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 has this person gotten to where they are and how are you loving them well by not simply just throwing money at a problem, but knowing them so that you can help them to not have that problem, to bring healing. Now, that healing always begins spiritually, of course, in God's, in God's economy. Right. And then it stems and flows more deeply to um, some of these more circumstantial and felt areas of, of need that we have. I think this is clearly expressed in the church in Thessalonica, uh, in Se- Thessalonians three ten to twelve, where we see these, there were there were people even inside the church that had thrown off their earthly responsibilities like home and work, and and were simply waiting on the day the Lord would come. Uh, this is not uncommon. This has happened several times throughout history. Since then, someone says, "This is when Jesus is coming back." You have to believe me. We have to prepare. And then he gets like a dozen people to follow him. And they decide to stop working and live in a commune. And then, you know, like, eventually someone's like, dude, I don't think Jesus is coming when you said he is. I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> That's pretty much usually how that ends. <clears throat> uh, because as of yet, yeah, Jesus has not returned and, well, here we are. But in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 where this was actually happening, Paul tells the church this. For even when we were with you, we, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And here what Paul is calling us to is individual, personal responsibility. And he's not calling us to a needs-based justice, most certainly. He is calling us here in this, in this moment, these churches, these people that, that were filled with idleness and were not doing what they could and should, he's not calling for the church to meet their need. Rather, he's saying, no, God has given to you ability. Why are you not enacting on the ability God has given you to fulfill the needs that you have? What a waste of grace is what Paul is saying. Mm. <clears throat> Matthew twenty six six through thirteen brings up another interesting story. If you're going to bring in a more a less meritus based justice, and a, or rather what you've done, the things you've done, and a more needs based justice, rather this is what I need because this is my condition. In Matthew twenty six six through thirteen, we read this. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head, and as as he reclined at the table, and when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying. Why this waste? Now, John, uh, I believe, 12 will illustrate for you. There was a particular disciple saying this, and his name was Judas Iscariot. Uh, and John will go on to elaborate that Judas was saying this because he was kind of in charge of the uh, bankroll of the uh, disciples, their little group. The money box, as they might say. And he liked to dip in and out of the money box for his own personal gain. <clears throat> uh, so that, that's in uh, John 12, I believe. You'll find this parallel story. Um uh, So verse 8 in Matthew 26, though, it says, And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Excuse me. How rude of me. Verse 10. "Um, But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And this scripture today is fulfilled in your hearing of it. I would mm-hmm. like to say that. <clears throat> um, what we have here is maybe maybe it wasn't as obvious uh, in, to you, uh, but if if justice is needs-based, then the disciples are correct. Right. Right. Um, most certainly. Why? Why would we waste this ointment? Why would she pour it on your head, Lord Jesus? This is a burial ointment. This is this oil is expensive. We should be selling this and caring for the poor with it. Obviously, in a needs based
1: justice, that is the correct answer. Right. I mean, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like it, you know when I get peed and then I go and I spend my paycheck on cigars, and Hannah's like. Uh, what are you doing? Um, you mean you the, the whole paycheck, those, not the normal percentage you would actually right, right, right. Like the no, whole no, paycheck no. would be uh, you, you know, accessible. and and I'm like, you know, why? She's like, well, we we needed that for food. You, we could have used that for food. And I'm like, I'm just trying to worship over here. That's that's kind of what this story is like to me.
0: Yeah, and and you're and I think that's an accurate understanding of what of what is being said. <laughs> you made a lot of statements there. The things that are being worshipped, what's being worshipped, the money being spent. <laughs> And I'm sure if Hannah actually listened to this, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> so I think you might dodge the bullet there.
1: Right. <laughs> she is not one of the 15 people that have listened to this. <laughs>
0: okay. Hello. <laughs> um, and I'm sure the argument here is well, no, uh, this woman was worshiping God. It's totally different. And I would say nay, nay to you. For, for when a Christian is generous, it is his worshipful act before his creator God, yep. his savior sustainer God. And so, well, absolutely. Right. And so absolutely it would be generous to sell that and give it to the poor. And you could make that an act of worship to God. But what God here says is there are certain things you must do differently. And it is not simply a needs-based. Most certainly this money could have been used towards the poor. But look, this is me that she is worshiping with this money. There are certain things that go differently. Um, Justice is not based here upon a need. Right, right. What, what we require, and this is something important for Christians to remember, what you, require, <clears throat> what you require is God to enact an injustice for you. Because what you deserve is justice. Right. And the injustice is that an innocent would be placed in your stead. Namely, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, come to be your anointed Savior on the cross in your stead. That is an act of injustice. It is because of that act of injustice that we are able to receive his righteousness. And that righteousness saves us from God's justice. Bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. We're doing a good on time or are we like
1: go way over? We haven't checked. We don't care. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're over by now. Oh, wow. One hour and 56 seconds. Ha ha, stick it. For one hour and 56 minutes. Oh, don't sing no, 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 that. That can't kidding. be right. It's just no, it <laughs> <ain't that>
0: right. <laughs> Nailed it. We did that in an hour. We did not exhaust this topic. I just want to say that. This was like,
1: where do you go? Where do you go? go? I don't know that song. Okay. We're no, not singing anyway. super awkward. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm so, sorry. I'm so sorry. Um We, uh... Listen, you already you already alienated the Gen X, Y, and Zs by saying that Michael Jordan's better than LeBron James. So go. So you already alienated them, Goat. and now you're just like bringing out some type of '80s music or whatever. You I just mean, try sure, to everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's
0: got <laughs> an agenda. Look, I'm just I'm just saying Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> <laughs> now, now what? Well, now I just want to say thanks for listening to the Carb Family podcast. <laughs> there we go. Um, and uh, this is episode eight. Um, feel free to download it and listen to it. And uh, we hope uh, again this is like not like a monetized thing. We just hope that this is an effective tool that you can have in your in your tool belt to think critically through. Uh, hey, what are those crazy guys with the Christian worldview think about uh, justice and social justice? And is it halfway reasonable? And if you like, want to just totally disagree with us, uh, feel free to comment on uh, any of the socials that you find this on. And we will certainly reply to you in a semi-timely, hopefully soon. Trust me, there's not a lot of comments. I'm sure
1: we'll <coughs> see it. <laughs> we won't miss it. And that's it. That's it. And as always, seize the faith. Amen.